Welcome to the show. Here's my dad. On this episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast, we are joined by Micah and Emily, who join me to share their infant adoption story. Well, hey there. Welcome back to the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. My name is Tim Elder. I'm a dad of three through infant adoption. This is the show all about domestic infant adoption. We give you the inspiration, the hope, and stories like we are going to do today so you can help help you adopt faster with more confidence, less headaches, and just really instill some inspiration and hope for you that you can adopt. So thank you for joining me today. Now, if you're just starting your journey or you're considering adoption, you're struggling, or maybe you're overwhelmed how to start, how to find an agency, you're not alone. I'm going to give you something free, a free resource just to help you start, just to take a look at how do I find the right adoption agency? So there's a free guide I'm going to give you called how to find the right adoption agency in four steps, free resource for you. It's going to walk you through what these four steps are, how to find the right adoption agency and evaluate them and choose the right one. If you go through that and you're like, yeah, I still need some help. I really want to dive deeper. You can get the course at findmyadoptionagency.com. It'll help you step-by-step hand walk you through the whole process of finding that adoption agency, the right one for you. So let's get into our interview today. It's with Micah and Emily, great couple who just adopted their son as a less than a year old, and they have just a great story and a great heart uh, as they share everything about their adoption journey and as they adopted their baby boy uh, a little bit less than a year ago. So here's the interview with Micah and Emily. All right. Welcome to the show, Micah and Emily. How are you guys doing? Doing well yourself. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for joining me today. I, I love stories. Infant adoption stories are awesome part of this show. So I'm so glad you guys uh, reached out to me and were able to get you on the show and talk about your journey and talk about what's happening or has happened to you right now and uh, and where you are in the process. Uh, because uh, And we'll talk about this later, but I always say adoption doesn't end when the baby's placed with you. So uh, we know that's happened so far, but we'll get into your story. And I want to just say congratulations, first of all, that you you were able to adopt. And uh, yeah, yeah, I know going through it three times, I just feel that joy and that energy. So I love uh, hearing these stories and I think the audience does too. So what led you guys to start the adoption process? Like how long before you thought about it, before you jumped in and decided to do it? I'll, I'll let Micah go first. Sorry, Emily. I'll, I'll let you jump in. <laughs> sure. And, and first off, before I get started, you know, thanks for, for doing what you do too. Uh, we've we've uh, really enjoyed your podcast and it's been a great resource. So um, oh, thank you. Really, really appreciate what you do. Yeah. So what led us to adoption? So, um, you know, it's it was something that we had talked about even before we were married when, you know, things were starting to get serious in our relationship and we're, we're getting close to getting engaged and we're having conversations about family and and, you know, long term life decisions, things like that. Uh, one of the topics of conversation that came up was adoption. And uh, it, you, you know, Emily uh, grew up in a, a very unique uh, home where you know, she, she was a biological child. Uh, but her family actually ended up adopting five kids. And so she uh, was very, very open to this idea. And because I was able to see that beauty of adoption through her family, uh, it made me very excited about the idea as well. So we were talking about it from before we were married. uh, And really our game plan was, hey, let's have 
biological kids while we're young and healthy. And then uh, a little bit later in our life, then we can we can adopt. But that was really always part of our plan moving into marriage. Adoption has always had a really special place in my heart. Um, I have five siblings that were adopted, a nephew that was adopted, and two cousins that were adopted. So I um, adoption was the way that we grew our family. And it was such a blessing to us to um, be a part of that. And so I always um, had wanted to adopt. And so that's one of the reasons we talked about it, even when we were dating, is because it was such a blessing to us. And I saw how beautiful it was. Um, And yeah, so it's always been part of something that we've wanted to do, that God's Mm -hmm. laid on our heart. Yeah, we we ended up starting the process sooner than we expected. So like I mentioned, the game plan was while we were young and healthy, have biological kids, and then um, start the adoption process uh, a little bit later. Uh, and really what we learned after after several years of infertility and some conversations with doctors uh, is that you know we have some unique circumstances where it's going to be very, very difficult for us to get pregnant. Uh, and then it would be very difficult and even dangerous to stay pregnant. Mm. And so you know that was that was really hard news to hear. And, you know, we had to deal with that and process that. But once we really had worked through all of that, we we both kind of talked together and said, hey, is, is you know, we've talked about adoption in the past. Is this the time for it? And we both uh, were, were in agreement that, that this, was, this was the time to um, bring a, a child into our home through adoption. And our goal was really the whole time, it, our goal was not to be pregnant. Our goal was to be parents. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, adoption is one way that um, we felt God wanted us to grow our family and we felt like the time was right and um, we were excited to start that process. That's awesome. Yeah. And the fact that you're on board at the same time, it was huge. Mm -hmm. I know not everybody can claim that. And some of these listening may be going, yeah, (laughs) I wish we were on the same page at the same time. So uh, it was, it was, did you have any tips on, on how you're able to get up to pay on the same page at the same time? Or it was just really just communication and, and talking through it. Um, I think because we had talked about it so early, um, that helped, but then also from the time we got married, we actually kind of like slowly started to research adoption. So mm-hmm. even before we decided, okay, it's time right now, we actually had already done research on the different types of adoptions. And so we kind of had a good, I mean, a basic understanding of what that would look like for us. So I think that helped because it wasn't like, um, you know, all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of like a slow, we slowly, um, thought about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can see that would be a huge help. Yes. So it wasn't too shocking for you to have to sit there and take a bunch of time. Uh, it was kind of a slow process. I like that. Uh, so how did you decide on domestic infant adoption? So adopting in the, a baby in the U.S. rather than maybe international or through the foster mm-hmm. care system? Yeah, so we, we talked about all three options um, and looked at the pros and cons of each and, um, you know, really why we, we steered away from specifically international is um, everything going on in the world with COVID, um, where we're seeing borders close and uh, you know, situations um, w- with other countries being very volatile. And we said, you know what, this isn't the right time to be thinking internationally. So we need to be thinking domestically. 
And, uh, and then when we looked at foster care versus infant adoption, what we really liked specifically about domestic infant adoption is one um, was the being able to have the, the child from, from when they're a baby and two, the um, potential partnership with the, the expected mom and, and birth mom, mm -hmm. um, the, the ability to have an open relationship with them. Yeah. Um, that that's what really appealed to us about domestic infant adoption. We we had a couple people that were in our church that had gone through this process as well. And so we interviewed them and asked them questions about the process so that we wouldn't be going in blind. Uh, and we really felt like that's where the Lord was calling us. Awesome. Yeah. So you had people around you that knew about adoption. That's huge. And uh, not everybody's able to, <laughs> to do that as well. So I was very very supportive. Uh, was your family also supportive as you uh, made this announcement? Or maybe you didn't make an announcement, but you started to tell people about it. And did you tell your family um, as you were talking to your church family? Yeah, great question. So um, we told our family first before we announced it to anybody else. And originally the plan, it was going to be this like super serious dinner where we're like, all right, guys, <laughs> this is what we're going to do, blah, blah, blah. And then I kind of had this, this, you know, conversation with God and, and he was laying on my heart, you know, if, if Emily had gotten pregnant, we wouldn't be treating this like a super serious situation. You know, we'd be celebrating it and this party the whole way. And so um, that's the attitude we really embraced. And mm -hmm. so we treated it like it was announcing a pregnancy. So we had a birthday party for a family member and um, had taken pictures beforehand with us holding signs saying we were going to adopt. And that was one of the gifts that we gave. And so they unwrapped it and it was, what? And, you know, turned it around. Mm -hmm. And it was just exactly like if you were announcing a pregnancy. Oh, and that's so cool. Um, and then for, for family members that um, live far away and were not able to, to do something like that for, um, we were, Emily and I were coming up on our anniversary and I pretended like I made a slideshow about it. And was like, hey, I want to see what you guys think. Uh, can you give me feedback on the slideshow? And the song in the slideshow um, with all these pictures of Emily and me, the song was I Just Haven't Met You Yet from Michael Buble. Oh, yeah. And so everybody's listening to it thinking, okay, the pictures are great, but why did you pick this song? <laughs> and then you get to the end of the song and or the end of the slideshow. And it was like, hey, we're actually adopting and put in the pictures that we shared with other people. So the whole, we tried to, as, as much as we could make it a party the entire way. That and so cool. um, originally when we wanted to do like the sit down dinner, that was more serious. The reason we had, that was like our first instinct was because there were so many unknowns and right. the wait times were so up in the air because of COVID and stuff. And so it, I think it felt a little bit more serious because, mm -hmm. you know, we weren't sure how long we were going to wait. But now that we're on the other side, I'm really glad that we made it a celebration because um, it is something worth celebrating. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that we did it that way. Yeah. And to answer the second part of your question, family on both sides was super supportive of it. Obviously, on Emily's side, where they had adopted five kids already, uh, they um, were, were familiar with a lot of the terms and, and what the process could look like. So they were able to give some coaching. And then on my side of the family, they were just so excited for us as well and, and excited at, at continuing to grow our family. So uh, we were really blessed with the support we received from our family. Yeah, that's so cool. That is so cool to have that kind of support. That is awesome. 
Yes. Let's get into um, your journey a little more. First of all, when did you, when was the baby placed with you? So baby was, uh, he was born on March 29th okay. and, uh, he was born six weeks early. Yeah. So we actually were, were staying with the, in the NICU with him for, uh, two weeks after he was born and, uh, and then we took him home. So March of that 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. of last year. Yeah, so he's, <laughs> um, he's 10 months old tomorrow. Okay. That, I, <laughs> so. I asked a question that's not easy to answer for you, is it? <laughs> you have a yeah. lot that went on before you uh, just had a baby placed with you. So let's back up. You had, you chose an adoption agency. How did you choose them to help you on your journey? Yeah. So we um, actually had some friends that had used Christian adoption consultants mm -hmm. to kind of help them navigate the process. And we had a friend that actually works there as well. So um, after we interviewed our friends and asked them questions about it, we decided that we felt like that would be a good fit for us. And um, they have a lot of great perks for being in their um, consulting. They have um, birth moms that you can talk to and adoptees that you can interview. And so they have a lot of great resources, but then they also help point us to some ethical agencies and um, nonprofit agencies. They had agencies that they have vetted and have seen, um, have successful placements with many different clients and stuff. So we felt like that was a good fit for us. And we really enjoyed the experience that we mm -hmm. had with them. Yeah, and our approach with the agencies was to to take the list of vetted agencies from Christian adoption consultants, um, where you know we know they're ethical and on the up and up, and it was almost like building a stock portfolio where we said we want to be in six different agencies, we want three of them to be large, and we want three of them to be smaller nonprofits. Um, and you know, and there's there's pros and cons to being in a large. There's pros and cons to being in one that's smaller. Uh, but we wanted to cast a wide net. And so that was our approach. Um, and uh, we ended up matching through one of the smaller nonprofit ones, which is what we were were secretly hoping for. But um, uh, yeah, that was that was how we approached um, the agencies. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that explanation, too, because I think somebody listening to this might go, what is an adoption consultant? And you just kind of explained it pretty well there, uh, how they vet um, different agencies across the country and people that they work with all the time and know they're ethical and know they work well with them and they're not going to close the doors the second you try to sign up with them. Mm -hmm. So all those things are important part of uh, an, an adoption consultant. So I'm glad you explained that a little bit for the, the folks listening. Um, how did you handle yeah. your adoption budget? And I know having a consultant is a little more expensive because they're doing mm -hmm. all this stuff for you. Uh, but you do get that, which is uh, the extra hand-holding and, and helping you find the right agency. But how did you handle your budget? I mean, a lot of people that come into adoption are just overwhelmed. They hear twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. $50,000. How do we, uh, the ordinary people that don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting in the bank, afford to adopt? Mm -hmm. How did you deal yeah. with the high costs and, and going into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that was one of the questions that that we had going into it. Even when we decided we were going to adopt was, okay, how are we going to afford this? Um, and, um, you know, I don't know the faith of everybody that's listening, but, you know, I believe in the God of the Bible and that he's sovereign and is a provider. And so when we first decided to do this, we went on a walk and we're talking about the financial aspect and praying about it. And we actually, 
um, came across a, a very expensive, um, very nice stroller, and it just had a sign on it, and it said, free, please take. And we felt like that was almost mm -hmm. like a sign from God, <laughs> he's going to provide for us. And that's what we experienced throughout the adoption process. So um, so what happened? How did we how did we get the adoption funded? So one of the things we did was we had a yard sale and we we told a bunch of our friends we were doing this and they donated a bunch of items to the yard sale. Uh, and it was kind of like a win win where we got to take their junk for free <laughs> and then we got to turn around and sell it. Um, made a lot of money at the yard sale. Uh, we sold T-shirts um, as part of the adoption. Yeah. Um, one cool thing that we did was we we had like sponsor a puzzle where it was a thousand piece puzzle and people could donate $10 and essentially buy a puzzle piece. We'd write their name on the back and um, uh, it took us maybe three months to fill that yeah. puzzle out. Uh, there's some very, that yeah, that yeah. was significant. You know, and there were generous people that yeah. would find out what was going on and say like, hey, I want it to um, give you this money. There was couples at our church that we've never even met that heard about it that would start sending us money as well. Um, dog sitting is another thing that we would do. So we've got um, a, a great uh, home and backyard for dogs. It's a fenced in yard and uh, our dogs play well with other dogs. And so uh, we, we ended up being the doggy hotel for a little while to the point that our neighbors thought that we had changed jobs and that I was now working with an animal shelter uh, because there were dogs in our backyard, yeah. new dogs every single day. Yeah. yeah, that was, that was fun. Yeah, that helped. And of course we tightened up our own budget right. and, right. Um, and we applied for like every grant that mm -hmm. we knew of. <laughs> right. So a lot of, a lot of work, but yep. yeah. And, and one story with the grants too. So um, Isaac, uh, our son, he was born um, six weeks early, but his, his, uh, birth mom's water broke at eight weeks oh, yeah. and they, they gave us the call and said, or eight weeks early. And they gave us the call and said, you need to come down now. She's, she's going into labor and our financial plan had assumed that we would have another eight months to save out of our budget and that we weren't eight going weeks. to, or yeah, yeah, not eight months, eight <laughs> weeks. Um, we're going to have another eight weeks to save and that uh, we weren't going to have to stay out of state very, you know, just for a couple of weeks. And so we're driving down thinking, how in the world are we going to pay for this? And then while we're on the way, we get a call that we were, we had just been awarded an adoption grant um, mm -hmm. that covered the extra cost that we needed. And so, you know, just to tie things back to the way I started the question is, you know, God is sovereign and, and he's a provider. And, and that's what we got to experience yeah. was was his providence and his grace, even in the midst of our own weakness. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. That is amazing. Uh, but one of my questions was going to be how your faith has played a part in your adoption journey. But there mm -hmm. you go. You're already <laughs> we've already yeah. had several spots of, of where your faith has played a big part. And that is very cool. What would you say is your biggest what was your biggest contributor to financing your adoption? Was there one thing that, you know, that one thing probably helped us the most or was it your budget or was it the side hustles, the puzzle? I would say the puzzle. Um, I think that that was the biggest thing that benefited us because um, not everybody can give, you know, donate large checks or anything, but selling a one piece for $10, mm -hmm. I think people felt 
that they could, you know, have a part, play a part. And it was really neat because when we put the puzzle together, we could see everybody that had donated. And so it was kind of cool to see all the support along the way. But I definitely think that the puzzle was probably our biggest um, success as far mm-hmm. as fundraising goes. That so. is so cool. Yeah. Were you able to sell all thousand? Did you have a thousand pieces? It was a yeah. thousand pieces. We sold them all. Yeah, oh, we sold them all in about three and a half months. Wow. So, That's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some people would even get multiple puzzle pieces, but, you know, as their budget would reload for the next month, they would say like, all right, give me three more and yeah. stuff like that. It was, it was great. Yeah. That is, and did you get people updates? Like how many puzzle pieces you had sold or? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We took pictures. Like as we would add to the puzzle, we would take <laughs> mm-hmm. pictures and show the progress of our puzzle. So it was, it was cool. It was really neat. Absolutely. I love that idea. Anybody listening to this, if you're in the middle of your adoption budget or are just trying to figure out how to afford it, there's there's a great, great idea. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned already a couple times about being matched and uh, the baby uh, coming a little bit early. Let's walk through that. So you selected your adoption agency. You, you agreed to work with them. About how much time from then to when you were matched was it? How much how many months? Yeah, so it was um, about four months. So um, because we did like the interstate adoption where we used a consultant and we were in multiple agencies, we saw about one situation a week, which I think mm-hmm. is pretty, pretty is good. a lot. Um, and we ended up presenting to five, five different people before we were picked by mm-hmm. our son's birth mom. And that took about four months to, to be matched. Mm-hmm. So. The adoption wait is always the hardest, right? When people are like, okay, we finally decided to adopt. We signed on with an agency and we made our profile and now we're just waiting to be picked. And mm-hmm. some people get presented, you know, multiple times like you did. And then other people might wait a year before they even hear about mm-hmm. you. I mean, that's just heart-wrenching. How did you, what did you feel like when you're going through the adoption process and you're listening, or the wait, I should say, how did that feel to you? Yeah, you know, transparently, that was the hardest part yeah. of the whole whole adoption. And, you know, going into it, you think the hardest part is going to be raising the money yeah. and, you know, could, you know, you know, things like that. But the hardest part was was that waiting game and you wait and wait and wait and wait. And then you get the, the call and they say, you know, that you, you didn't get picked. And um, it's so hard not to take that personally. Um, every single time. And, and I knew, you know, I should not be taking this personally, but it's like, it cuts to your heart every single time you get that rejection. Um, it's like, you're not, you're not good enough to be the parents of this kid, uh, is what I was hearing every single time. And so I, I really struggled with that. Yeah. And I think that that the waiting was the hardest part and just not knowing the unknown, like, it feels like it's going to go on forever. And looking back, it it's it went pretty quick for us. I mean, four months is is not a lot of time to wait comparatively. I think, but in the moment, it feels like mm-hmm. it's going to go on and on. Right. So it, it is difficult. Right. Yeah. You mentioned um, faith playing a role yeah. in in our adoption. One um, uh, set of verses in the Bible that stood out to me here uh, comes from Lamentations 3. And I was hoping I could share that just in case there was anyone else waiting. Yeah, um, but Lamentations 3, and he's talking about being sad and depressed and all the, the terrible things that are happening in Israel. And he says, but this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. 
The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, and his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good that for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. And then a little bit later in the chapter, the Lord will not cast off forever. For though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart to grieve the children of men. Um, and and that's that's a verse that really helped me through uh, the entire process. Really, the the infertility at the beginning, the the waiting, the rejections. Um, uh, I found so much hope in in, in those verses, and, and wanted to share those. That's very good. Yeah, those are some some famous verses I know I've heard many times in in the mm. past. So yeah, you never know. I think if you if especially if you have faith and you're, you're part of the Christian religion, you never know what fit, what verses are going to stand out to you. So I think that's a very uh, interesting and cool way to deal with the adoption weight is go back and do some of those studies, go back and look at some of those verses that maybe you haven't mm-hmm. seen in a long time. And they may, you may touch you a little bit differently when you're going through the adoption weight and you're reading those again and going, Oh yeah, I remember that verse. And it hits you a lot differently. I think it right. would help you uh, for people of faith, like you and me um, going through that uh, adoption weight certainly helps you connect and gives you that hope because that's all we really want is that hope that we are going to adopt it, that there is going to be an end, that we are going to come to the point where somebody will pick us and a baby will be placed in our arms. So uh, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's a great way to get through the adoption weight because it is one of the hardest parts of the journey. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. All right, let's get into uh, you. So you waited about four months. Uh, you were matched with this expectant mom. And she was not living close to you. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. She, um, yeah. um, very, very about a 13 an hour drive away. Yeah. Okay. So what did you feel like when you were matched with her for the first time? So she picked you, were you able to talk with her right away or how did that feeling go or how did you react to how you were matched? Yeah. So we were actually, um, at our small group with some friends of ours <laughs> nice. and, we got a call and we ran out to the car because my phone only had 1% battery <laughs> and we ran out to the car to plug it into the car charger. And we were, and it was, it was January. So it was really cold and we were freezing, <laughs> we're shivering, yeah. shaking in the car. And she told us that um, we were picked and we just felt so honored and excited and mm-hmm. scared. And I, I've listened to your podcast a lot and I've heard a lot of families say, um, for multiple steps of the process that it's hard to explain all of the emotions right. that you feel in the moment. Yes. And it is so true because it's like, we, I felt like it was surreal, surreal. I felt peace, but I also felt scared at the same time. <laughs> and I felt like every emotion, mm-hmm. um, but we were really excited and really, I felt super honored right. for sure. We exchanged um, a little gotcha. bit of a few texts with with his birth mom um and she you know she sent some pictures and um 
um, opened up a little bit more as as time went by where it started, you know, very, very short conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was one time she sent us um, pictures of, of family members and she said, you know, hey, just to give you an idea of what your kid might look like. And um, <laughs> so we thought, we thought that was fun. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I felt like really helped with the openness of the adoption was um, one of our, our agency's idea where we had a virtual pizza party mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was like a Skype call. And, you know, she had pizza. The social workers were there and had pizza. We had pizza. Um, and it it was one of the most frightening things. Uh, we were both so nervous yeah. ahead of time. Um, but um, we we got along with her. It went really well. Very well. Yeah. Um, it was it, it was a very natural relationship. She's yeah. very easy to talk to. Uh, she's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and so we were laughing. Um, nice. And that call, I uh, think, really, really helped with the openness. Yeah. And I think at first she, when she went into it, I think that she wasn't quite sure if she wanted an open adoption either. So being able to build that relationship a little bit really mm-hmm. helped and being able to see each other on FaceTime as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I mentioned earlier that her, her water broke eight weeks early, uh, but Isaac was born six weeks early. So she, she spent two weeks oh. in the hospital too. And so, uh, and we we were we had arrived and um, were were there in the hospital with her, and you know by by no fault of hers when she realized she was going to have to be there for two weeks, uh, you know that that's frightening to yeah, hear for for anybody. Right. And um, through no fault of hers, she was really feeling that pressure and that weight, um, and and was really lacking that support system to help get her through. And she expressed to us, you know, that she wanted us to stay with her and and you know it's one of those things like not by my hand but in my lap mm-hmm. and we were like okay we're we're gonna do this together the three of us and yeah. so um and so we we spent the two weeks in the hospital with her we stayed the night in the room with her um and that was the biggest thing that contributed to the openness that we're now experiencing where we were able to build that relationship together and uh, and have memories uh, made with her. You know, we made puzzles together. She has a puzzle that we made framed, and we have a puzzle um, yeah. that's framed. So she has one from us. We have one from her. Um, she drew some pictures for us, and she's an incredible artist. Um, um, she um, got us some socks, too. We all got matching socks, which was tons of yeah, fun. Yeah, and the socks that she got us, hers said, uh, said, push baby push and then she got us socks that said baby you're worth it yeah it was fun. and it was really really sweet and then she got us all matching bracelets to mm-hmm. wear that we still wear all the time mm-hmm. and um can I, can I share the um the movie night story oh yeah that's a funny one so right in the middle it was like day seven or something that we were there and she um she said hey you know guys I want to have a movie night with you all and, and one of the things that Emily and I were doing while we were there in the hospital is trying to continue to help her to feel good about her decision to pick us. So uh, talking about our support network, um, things like that. And so when she said she wanted to have a movie night, this light bulb went off like, hey, we can not only continue to build the relationship with her and have this great experience with her, but I could also show her what movie night could be like for her kid. 
And so I ran to the store and we got all this candy and popcorn and soda. And, and it was like the classic middle school sleepover um, <laughs> dietary wise. And, and so she picked this movie, but uh, it was actually going to be pretty late at night that we were going to watch it. And she made this comment about, you know, maybe maybe we shouldn't do movie night. You know, I, I feel like you guys are just probably going to fall asleep during the movie. And I felt like the Holy Spirit impressed on me. Like she's not she's not used to people um, keeping promises to her. So this is an opportunity for you to earn some trust. Mm -hmm. And so I said, like, I promise we won't fall asleep during movie night. And so she puts the movie on. You know, I'm very tired. Uh, the lights are all all out and, and I'm powering through the movie. And we're getting about 15 minutes uh, near the end still going strong. And I'm like, I'm so proud of myself. I'm like, I did it. I didn't fall asleep. And so I, I grab a, some, uh, I was taking some uh, sleeping pills um, at the time, so, you know, sleeping in a hospital. It was, it was tough yeah. and that was helping me sleep. And so about 15 minutes before the movie, I popped a couple of those and I was like, this is great. 20 minutes. I'm going to be out. This will be perfect. The movie ends and she picks up the remote and flips to the next movie. And I was like, oh, no, I promised her I wouldn't fall asleep. It's now one in the morning. I've taken these sleeping pills. But I have to power through this. And so I, uh, it, it was really difficult. But I, I stayed awake through it. Uh, it helped that it was a scary movie. I'll, I'll add that. Um, it, it helped that it was a little scary. But then at the end of the movie, it's like 3.30 in the morning. And she, she was you're still awake? I was like, yeah, I promised you I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to sleep. And she goes, that was just for one movie. This movie was for me. This isn't part of movie night. <laughs> so I could have gone to sleep, but <laughs> um, awesome. yeah, it was a fun story. Yeah, that is. Fun. Anyway, I'm, I'm rambling, but no, no, I'm, I'm just trying to, to show, you know, these experiences that, that we, we got to share with her made both of us, both Emily and me and, and his birth mom feel really good about the idea of having an open adoption yeah, yeah. absolutely and that's what open adoption is it's relationships and and you started building that relationship right there that's 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 just beautiful how are you able to do that and that's setting a foundation for your hopefully lifelong relationship mm -hmm. with her so that's amazing that's really? so cool uh so the baby was born uh your son and uh, you finally get to bring him home and tell me about that how your 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 feelings of holding him for the first time and bringing him home to your to your house you know and settling in for the first time how did that all feel yeah so when he was born um i shared a really special moment with his birth mom where um we were holding hands and we were both crying and I was telling her how strong she is and how proud I am of her. And then he was born and she actually asked if I could cut the cord. So that was really, really special for me that um, I got that experience. And uh, no words can really describe all the emotions that I feel because I feel a lot of love towards this little baby. Um, but I also feel sorrow for his birth mom and excitement for us. And there's just so many emotions that are going on. But um, ultimately, once he was placed with us, um, it it was really exciting. Mm -hmm. 
so. just the whole thing was just was so surreal after you know so many years of wanting yeah. to grow our family and and you know the heartbreak that's there and you know the presenting to uh, expected moms and getting rejections and then finally matching and, and then spending the two weeks um, in the hospital with his birth mom. Um, it, it, the whole thing was just so surreal and uh, um, I, will, I will never forget it. It's so it's hard to describe the, mm -hmm. the number of emotions that you're feeling. Um, but uh, but it was it was incredible. And, and God's grace is absolutely what got us through everything. Yeah, and it was completely worth it. Everything yes. that led us to that point was completely worth it. And when I look at my son's face, I am thankful. Even mm -hmm. though it was hard, I am thankful for this journey mm -hmm. because it led us here. Right. So. Yeah, and it's hard to say when you're waiting. Like you said, you don't know how long you're going to wait. And your, your four months could have been three years. It could have been three right. years. You know? And there's a lot of people listening to this that are in that circumstance mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and i always tell people you know yes your heart it's hard to wait we waited a long time for all three of ours too you just don't know how long it's going to wait but you know if you don't give up that baby is going to eventually the right baby is going to be put in your arms and it's like you said it's all going to be worth it so i right. just wanted to encourage anybody listening to that like well yeah well, of course it was easy for them they only had to wait four months or of course it was easy okay not easy first of all second of all you just don't know when you're in the middle of that adoption wait how long it's going to take so right keep, yeah keep going keep going if you're listening to, listening to this and um, worried about your own situation like how long it's going to be and that's why we're telling this story really to give you hope anybody that's listening give you hope this will it can be done and it is done all the time and Mike and Emily are, are definitely examples of that, shining examples of that. So I'll let Emily, Emily go first. What surprised you the most about being a mom through adoption? Now, I know you had five siblings that were adopted, and that helped you on your journey. But you're, like you said, you're bringing home your son. What surprised you the most about being a mom? So I think that the thing that surprised me the most was just the importance of having other adoptive moms uh, in my life. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's hard to find, but um, I would encourage people who are listening to see if they could find even like a Facebook group or um, something online where they can get connected with other adoptive moms. Um, before we had, before we adopted our son, you know, there's a lot of isolation and lon loneliness that comes with infertility. But um, after we adopted our son, I still find myself in a room with, you know, maybe four or five women who are all talking about their pregnancy symptoms or, uh, what it was like to go into labor and they should share those stories. You know, that's a badge of honor for them. They should be able to share those. But I realized that there is still um, some loneliness that can come with, um, with that if you don't have other adoptive moms in your life to support you. So I think that that was one thing that surprised me is just how important it is to have that support group um, in your life. And do you have that now? Is your support group there yeah. for you? Excellent. I do. And um, I've actually looked online, too. It seems like that there, there are some other support groups in our area, too, that I'm wanting to join. Um, but, yeah, I do. I, my sister-in-law is an adoptive mom and my mother as well. So that's helped a lot. And we do have some friends. So. Excellent. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. I mean, 
in person is always the best. If you're going to get a local support group, and we've got posts on that on our blog about how to find those and look for them and the importance of them. But if you can't find that, and it's just not possible, you don't have people around you that are that way. The next best thing is certainly going online. And we've got our Facebook group through the Infant Adoption Guide blog that you can uh, get into them. And there's 4,500 people in there. So it might feel overwhelming. Like, how am I going to get the support I need um, through 4,500 people? I get that. So this is why we created the Infant Adoption Guide community, which we break that down and get into small groups that you can meet with online. So I just a little bit of a plug there because it just meshes so well with what you just said. But the reason we need community is to have that support. And adoption doesn't end when the baby's placed with you. You still need that support. So I'm very cool that you realized that and that it's something important to you because it's definitely going to help you uh, throughout the rest of your journey as a parent. There's no question. All right, Mm -hmm. Micah, what surprised you most about being a dad through adoption? Sure. You know, one thing that, that surprised me was um, you know transparently how how instantly uh, the, the the connection I felt with my son, um, and I I was prepared you know the, I'd been listening to a lot of things about being a father um, and hearing other fathers in my life and many of them were saying like hey when my son was born uh, you know it took a little while before I felt this connection and. And that's totally normal. There's a lot of emotions going on. Don't feel like something is wrong with you if that happens. I'd listen to you know podcasts about being a dad, and the guy would say like, "Hey, when my son was born, this is you know I, I didn't feel connected right away. You feel a lot of emotions. Don't feel like something's wrong with you if that's what you're feeling." And so I felt like that was God giving me sort of some advance notice, like, "Hey, you're not you're not going to feel that connection right away," and that was totally wrong. Um, I, so he, I, I had act, right before he was born, I had actually stepped out of the room. They were, um, going to run a, a quick test on his birth mom. And so I stepped out and in just that, that couple minutes while I was gone, that's when he was born. And so I, uh, came back and the door was closed and I could hear him crying and it was the way my heart melted and mm-hmm. the emotions that I felt the joy and like the pride that I felt in him, even though he's just been born, he's just crying. All of it was there. And, and that, that really, really surprised me. Uh, And I was really prepared uh, to not feel that way. Uh, And so that, that was the biggest surprise. And um, there was a bit of like a mental shift that took place in my head where uh, my whole life, um, you know, if you if you said, do you feel like you're the main character of your story? Um, truthful answer is I would have, yes, I feel like this is my story and I'm the main character here. Uh, once he was born, it, it, this shift took place. And I was like, this is, you know, my life is about Jesus. So I, I don't want I don't want to people to think that there's something that's more important to me than Jesus. But this shift took place in my head where it's like he, I, my son is the character of the story. Now I'm a side character in his story is really what the mental shift that took place. And it's not about, you know, building, building a life for, for myself or my wife. It's like this is his story. Um, and, and so it's hard to explain, but um, yeah, that's, that's the, 
those are the two things that really caught me off guard and that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, that's very, very cool. Yeah, we've had guys on the podcast before that have tried to explain that to you about being a little worried uh, about having that connection and what it will feel like and when that will that connection happen. And I don't think you can prepare for that. I think just like you said, right. you're surprised because you can't prepare for that. You don't know what's going to trigger it. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but I can tell you with certainty, it will happen. Uh, if you're sitting yeah. there, uh, if you're a guy listening to this or a lady listening to this and you're worried about your husband, you know, maybe that's popping through your head. Uh, listen to what, what Micah was sharing there, because I think that is important to know. You just can't prepare for it and you will be surprised at what will make that connection uh, in your life and to that, to that child. That's it's, it, does happen happen all three times for me too and, and at different times so it, that's a great story to share i appreciate that so as we wrap up here i wanted to uh first of all thank you guys for sharing your hearts i mean you guys are so uh well-spoken articulate and you just uh share your heart so well so thank you for agreeing to come on the show and and do that you guys are definitely special people and your your son is uh, a blessed little guy what one thing do you wish you knew before you started the adoption journey? What like, oh man, I wish we would have knew that before we started. Yeah. So one thing that I wish I knew is um, we were rejected five times after we presented before we were matched. And when we met our son's birth mom, I could see why she, you know, why she felt like it was a good fit because we had a lot in common. I do puzzles all the time. She loves puzzles. We all like baseball. Like we had a lot of common interests. So I could kind of see, you know, where, why we were a good fit. And um, his birth mom said that there were other profiles that she saw that she um, didn't feel like were as good of a fit, you know, whether it be somebody who likes to travel or somebody who lives on a farm, but that was just her, you know, her preference. There might be other birth moms that have great memories on a farm or um, who love to travel. And so those would really resonate with them. And so instead of seeing it as a rejection, I wish I had just seen it as it wasn't the right fit yet. Hmm. And that um, each birth mom picks the family that they feel like will be the best fit for them. And so we did end up getting a really good fit. And um, I think that it wasn't that we were rejected personally, but it was just that it wasn't the right fit at, or the right mm -hmm. time. So I, I wish I had had that perspective going into it. Yeah, and it's hard to have that perspective. But looking back, yeah, it's it's probably easier to say, oh, yes, that's the I need, I need to think about that. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. How about you, Micah? You know, for me, um, I feel like. I, I put my life on pause um, while this adoption was going. So, uh, you know, if I wasn't if I wasn't working, I was thinking about the adoption. And, um, you know, especially when when we're if we're not seeing a situation, it's like, OK, what's wrong? How do you know, maybe there's a seventh agency that we can apply <laughs> to or maybe we're doing, going about this all wrong. And um, and that's always been my approach to problems in the past is. You know, if I face a wall, it's like if I bang my head on this wall enough, I'll eventually dig a hole <laughs> and can climb through. And what what God showed me was I needed to really shift my mindset to uh, from a sprint to a marathon. 
And where I started experiencing, you know, more joy in the process and being able to actually celebrate it. You know, we talked earlier about having it's, it's going to be a party the whole way, even even in the waiting. When that shift happened in my head is when, you know, God said, you know, you can't put your whole life on pause while you're waiting. So, you know, do home DIY projects, yeah. um, you know, exercise, um, engage in your hobbies, things like that. Um, so that you you can have that uh, one that that marathon mindset, but also to know that that life is so much bigger than just just the waiting, and and that's um, that really helped me uh, emotionally once once the Lord showed that to me. Beautifully said. Yeah, I love the the analogy of the marathon versus the sprint. That is so true. And, and we were sprinting too when we were doing our home study. Um, they said, um, in like the the social worker said, in twenty two years of of her experience doing home study, she had never seen a couple turn in paperwork as fast as my wife did. Um, I, I think she got all the paperwork turned in in a few days. Um, it was it was incredible. It was incredible. So we definitely were in sprint mindset and, and, and had to shift perspectives. Yeah. 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 And I remember, uh, and when did the pre-interview we were talking and, uh, a couple of things you said, Micah, that really stood out to me was how you really admired or maybe an admired isn't the right word, but you watched how Emily handled everything through the adoption mm -hmm. journey with just such strength and grace. And you, she, you said that she always knew the right things to say and that you were kind mm -hmm. of in awe of that. I mean, that, that was so cool how you said that because I think that I mean, it is such a teamwork thing going through adoption and working together and handling things the right way. And, and if people with faith having prayer time together and sharing things together, that walk you took, you know, when you guys were just walking and trying to talk about adoption and you saw the the uh, stroller there available. I mean, those things you have to be open to and talk about in order to see them when they happen to you. So I, I so much appreciate that about you guys. You certainly have a special heart uh, for sharing your story. Thank you for coming on and doing such a great job of sharing your hearts. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having us. And uh, again, thanks for for what you're doing with with uh, the podcast. It was a great resource for us. Yeah. Um, it was even a great resource for people in our support network, where we yes. we were able to share yeah. um, episodes from the podcast. Um, say, hey, here's this process explained, or yeah. this. It, it was very very helpful. Well, thank you so much for that. I appreciate. It. That's the reason I do it is uh, to help to help people like you, and so it warms my heart to know that. That actually happened, and now you can go and share your story with your own your own support group. Hey, guys, <laughs> you want to hear our whole story? Here you go. So I appreciate yeah, you coming on the show today. You guys did a great job. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, great interview with Micah and Emily. Man, they're just I loved hearing their story. It went so fast. Uh, everything they shared, they're just very articulate, and they just know how to share their hearts. So I hope you got a lot of inspiration and hope out of that story uh if you probably need to listen to it again just because they shared so much that was just so great uh and if you want to do that go back to infiniteadoptionguide.com forward slash one zero two and we'll share um all the links uh anything we talked about today the highlights of the show for sure on that 
page for, and you can see the picture of their family, which is really, really cute. Uh, I love that they came on and, and shared their story. And I love the fact that Emily shared about having support. And I shared a little bit in there about our, uh, uh, Facebook community and our brand new infinite adoption guide community. And I just want to share a little bit more there. If you want to go and if you don't have anybody and you're like, what do I do? How do I get support? How do I get somebody in my life that can help me know what to do and where to go and how to navigate this thing, this marathon, like Micah said of the infinite adoption, where do I go? Well, you can go to infiniteadoptionguide.com. There's a Facebook group link at the top of the page. There's also a join our community link at the top of the page. Facebook group's got 4,500 people in there. It is a great place to just plop your questions in and go, hey, what, who has anybody dealt with this? Or how do you deal with that? And you can look over questions that have been asked. And it's not terribly easy to search for those with things, but you can. And there's people in there all the time ready to help, including me, that are help there ready to answer your questions and help you just get some answers to what you got going on. But if you want to go deeper and you're like, oh, I need more people or I need more personalized support. That's why we started this community, infiniteadoptionguide.com forward slash community. We break down that large community into small groups. We set you up into a small group so you can actually talk with people over zoom or phone call or whatever, however you guys set it up, but you can talk to people live on a regular basis, including me, and chat inside of this community off of Facebook, off of social media, private website just for us that we can talk and we can chat, we can share. And I've got a bunch of information in there too about just how to go through the infant adoption process. So I made this community specifically for you and me to go through the adoption journey and it doesn't end when the baby's placed with you. That carries throughout your whole life. And I know because our kids are getting older and I'm still needing the support. My wife and I are still needing support as our, our kids have already been placed with us, but they're still growing and they're still understanding. And they're still dealing with things going on in their life. And we're still working through our open adoption relationships with their birth families. So it definitely continues on. We all need support. Go to infiniteadoptionguide.com forward slash community to jump into our membership site that is very specific, very special, very secret, very, not secret, very private. So we can all uh, get that support that we so much need. So thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you got a lot out of this episode. God bless you on your adoption journey. And we'll talk to you next time on the show. Take care. Thanks for listening to my dad.